Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features all about all... Hmm. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at ComedyWham or on our ComedyWham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, ComedyWham brings you articles, album reviews, our new column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy, and our monthly Comedy Wham showcase at Hobson Time in Lakeway on first Tuesdays. As we approach our sixth anniversary and my personal 200th interview, I'm excited to announce that on Wednesday, January 19th at Fallout Theater, I'm going toe-to-toe with my good friends Brenton K. O'Grady and Duncan Carson of Sure Thing Records for my anniversary chat. Have you checked out our newly renovated events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and now DFW? Well, if you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. If you like the new survey, send us a quick review and we'll share your review and promo your show on Instagram. We've also joined the Patreon bandwagon. You can search on Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out ways that you can support what we do at Comedy Wham. And we've got some fun treats for our subscribers. Oh, and you can PayPal or Venmo us too. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, I am very happy to have my 199th interview with the founder of Moon Cricket Productions. She's an actress, stand-up, improviser, and so much more, writer, author, CEO of Moon Cricket as well. So she's she's one of those multi-hyphenates. She recently launched a column on our website. We may have talked about it in that introduction, and we love her insights and her support of local shows and comics. She's part of the No Lie Comedy Collective based in New Orleans. She's done a whole bunch of festivals, kind of sad news. <laughs> San Francisco Sketchfest got canceled, and she and her improv troupe were headed there later this month. Uh, she performs sometimes as herself or sometimes as her alter ego, Stangela Angela Hemsworth Kingsley Winthrop Farouk Adams III. And as I mentioned, she is my 199th interview. I'm so pleased that we've gotten uh, connected over the last few months. Comedy Wham presents our guest, Rochelle McConico. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I told you that was long-winded. I warned you. Uh, my favorite is introducing my alter ego <laughs> with the longest name ever. Makes me so happy. Yeah. I, I wish that had been captured on video because I could see you like going with the beats, <laughs> making sure I had her name. You were like lip syncing. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, when I when I do her, I'm like, my name is uh, Stangela Angela Hemsworth Kingsley Winthrop Farouk Adams the Third. And then people try to uh, just you know, yeah. oh, oh Stangela. I'm like. Uh, Oh no! Who? Who is that? I don't know her. And they're like, Angela, Angela. It's a good time. <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I totally guessed on the Farouk too. So I'm like, I'm, it's either gonna go or it's not. I'm gonna look at her eyes and great. see how it goes. Perfect. 
No one gets it right on the first time. So this this is expert level. You're doing expert level. <laughs> Rochelle, I'm so happy to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. My 199th interview. I don't boast very often, but I am so excited. Yes, you're but, doing an excellent job. Look at you. Two, I, I was like 199. I'm, I'm special. I was telling my aunt, I'm special. Oh. 199, I'm so special. <laughs> you are like in the in the annals of history of Comedy Wham. You're like that one. 99. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to make no fanfare about 201 either. <laughs> They're going to feel like, what? They're like, what about us off by a couple? What about me? <laughs> 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 well, uh, Rochelle, I do have an official icebreaker question that I like to ask my guests. Awesome. There you go. Miss Curry is chiming in. She's, she's ready. She's been very active these last few interviews, so uh, she's, she's into this countdown. Co-hosted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One word to describe your past. Checkered. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that sounds like... <laughs> That sounds like I have more going on. Uh, that I was at first. Uh, I was in the desert. Uh, I grew up in the desert, just drinking water from cacti. Uh, and then I moved. Now, um, one word from my past: a blessing. I would say. I I have. I think I have a charmed life. I think of it like that, mm-hmm. because I've gone through a, a lot of different things. Been lived a lot of places. I've lived in New York and Boston and. Houston and Austin and New Orleans, just different places around the country. And each place I go, I learn something. I have good experiences. I have bad experiences, (laughs) but I'm like better for it. So it's it's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm correct, you're from Austin. Yes. Wow. Yeah, born and raised. Wow. Wow. When there were still black people in Austin. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well. We do have black people in you, Austin. I know you're looking at them. <laughs> at all of them. You're looking at all of them right now. Well, I don't want to go into it. Well, there's Lando, there's Tremaine. There's you're Leo. writing a list like, wait a minute. Is she the only one? No, no. This is verifiably false. <laughs> I am a fact checker at heart. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I um, I lived here when the East Side actually still uh, had a whole bunch of black folks in yeah. it. When my grandmother was living, um, and that side hadn't been as gentrified yeah. as it is now, and um, a lot of people of color pushed out. Right. Um. So it used to be like um, <clears throat> I went to. I lived on the southeast side, so I went to a school that was pretty mixed, uh, and then. When I went to L, I went to LBJ here high school, and that was pretty mixed. And then now I'm just seeing kind of this shift where I like I should probably count myself before I go out, just in case I don't see any other black people. Yeah. I saw one, um, but it is it is a different feel. Mm-hmm. But it's still Austin um, in a kind of indefinable way where people are still kooky, and I like that. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Were you a performer from? A young age, you seem like it's just part of your DNA. I never considered myself huh. a performer. Um, I did some, <laughs> I did some acting in high school, mm. and 
no. In middle school, I did acting, and then in high school, they told me, mm, we don't want you on this one. And I had, I, I was playing basketball, and I chose to go from basketball to go to this, like, audition, and I was like, I'm going to make it. And they were like, no, you're not. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I shall never act again. <laughs> As God is my witness, right? <laughs> But no, I uh, honestly, I was I, a writer. I, I always wrote. I always did poetry or some type of writing. Yeah. Um, but I always wanted to be a singer. That was my okay. thing. I wanted to grow up and I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be a singer. But never was, I was never very, very good at it. I was just okay. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And me and my best friend on a cold night in front of a movie theater pretended we had a nightclub hmm. and that we were letting people in that we wanted to let in, right? And I said, oh, okay, well, I'll go to business school so that we can have that nightclub. Oh. And I did. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so random. So random. So random. Yeah, that's why I say blessed. I have like yeah. a blessed life because I kind of hop from thing to thing but kind of mm-hmm. still find my pattern yeah. find where I'm supposed to be. So Yeah. And having a good uh, business acumen is, I mean, that's a useful skill to have yeah. and it can be applied to just about anything. Yes. And, and from going to business school, I wound up being a teacher. Oh God. <laughs> all right. For 10 years. I'm going to have whiplash from all these things you've done. <laughs> yeah. I, I went to business school and they told me when I graduated, you know, you're going to go, you're going to put on a suit and that, you know, every day you're going to be wearing a suit. And I was like, wait a minute. I wear a suit and stockings and like heels oh. every day? Ew. Oh, <laughs> I was like, God. that sounds This is the horrible. 90s, wasn't it? Yes. The early 90s. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that sounds horrid. Yeah. Um, and then they had Teach for America. And, you know, oh, you just, for two years, you go teach and you give back. And I'm like, all right, I could teach for two years. Yeah. You know, I could, um, I had been tutoring and things like that. So I'm like, all right, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. And then I did it for 10 years. Huh. Uh, Were you still in Austin at this point? No, I taught in, <laughs> they gave me, it's funny, they gave me a, you get a choice of where you want to go. <clears throat> Excuse me. They gave me a choice of where I want to go. And I was like, okay, I don't want to go anywhere I've been before. Hmm. I want to go somewhere nice and cool. Maybe like, like Washington, D.C. Oh, I'll be, right. And they sent me to Detroit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I, it wasn't even a choice on there. I opened the envelope and I was like, Lord, wherever you want me to go. And it said Detroit and I immediately called. <laughs> I was like, sorry, there's a mistake. <laughs> you said choice. <laughs> sorry, oh. Lord, you, you've made a mistake. Um, so, yeah, I taught in Detroit. I taught in Detroit, Houston, New Orleans, and New York. Those are tough cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you stuck with it for 10 years in these really tough environments. Yeah. In fact, if I I hadn't taught in Detroit, I probably wouldn't have stayed in teaching because New Orleans was very, very difficult. Hmm. But Detroit kind of got you ready for that because they have a lot of, you know, inner city schools that are underfunded with a lot of, you know, poverty issues. And poverty looks different in different places, but poverty is poverty. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it brings up a lot of different issues within the family and within like food insecurity, things like yeah. that. And when you have that, it's always going to be hard to teach because I have real actual needs that need to be fulfilled 
before I can focus on education. And so uh, New Orleans would have, it would have beaten me. It would have whooped me. But uh, I was already kind of prepared for it. Another blessing. I was already kind of prepared for it. And New Orleans became like a place of my heart. Hmm. I had gone there for school, but I went to Tulane. And Tulane was a the whitest place I had ever been. <laughs> and I was like, okay, now I'm really counting again. I'm back to counting. Yeah. Um, and so when I left Tulane, I was like, I want to be somewhere where there's black people. New Orleans is 60% black. Yeah. So that tells, you, <laughs> that tells you what Tulane was like. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm trying to go to a black city and I'm yeah. in a black city. <laughs> so, yeah. but it was, it, it became... New Orleans is just a place where people love really deeply and have so much culture and they are bashed so much like by whether it's a hurricane or poverty or life is so tough Mm -hmm. and yet they make gumbo out of it. You know what I'm saying? They make love and culture and jazz out of it. And uh, people like that, I mean, always, always, that's always a place in my heart. Was New Orleans at the tail end of that 10 years or was it mixed in? Uh, I went, I left and I came back. So I went to, (laughs) I went to Detroit for a year. That's how long I was able to do it. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, all right, well, uh, I want to be out of here. (laughs) I can't take this. Um, and they were, I was like, I would like to go anywhere else, Mm -hmm. but not back to New Orleans because I've already been there. And they were like, New Orleans. That's where you're going. (laughs) So I went to New Orleans. I taught there and then left and came back to New Orleans because my mom was like, uh, I was there during a hurricane, the first um, Katrina. Now it was the first Katrina because Ida apparently was really bad. Um, But I was there during Katrina and I left and lived in Houston for a while. And then went and later went and got my master's in business, (laughs) back to business, uh, and came back to New Orleans and did the the part in the like finance and the business side of education mm-hmm. and working with kids. We worked with kids that had like behavior disorders uh, based on their trauma and things that they've gone through in their lives. And so my job was to make sure the operations work, make sure everything works so that the kids can get psychology and they can um psychiatry mm-hmm. and group therapy and all those beautiful things yeah so I'm like all right <laughs> you know <laughs> I don't have to personally you know do this part of the yeah. work but I can make the work the engine work yeah so. you uh so you have now I mean you've already won me over in many regards before you even started talking but I got I feel the bigness of your heart from these experiences that you had yeah you were thrown into them you know with the teach for america but to do these things uh i've already like been wondering for myself how many times did you go home crying because you knew that there was a child going home that wasn't going to have a meal for dinner breakfast yeah and school is the the place where they get their meals and stuff Yeah. yeah i think you it's it's crazy because like uh you want to take care of people. Yeah. I think in general we're all trying to take care of ourselves, our families or what have you. And in the extension of that, we want other people to be in a good place. Mm-hmm. And so when you go into teaching, you find out just how hard some people have it and to 
have to talk to children every day and just be like, look, I know that you're experiencing things that I have not ever experienced yeah. that are tougher, things that are tougher. <laughs> like yeah. I, I can't say that I have the resilience that you have while you're in here, you're safe. While you're in here, mm-hmm. let's let's learn. Let's have fun. Let's enjoy ourselves and take our minds off the, the other things that we can't. Yeah. You, you know, you don't have control over. And so comedy, actually, I had never, there was never a point where I was like, I'm going to be a comedian. <laughs> it never happened. Um, but I had been working with kids so long that I realized I need to work with adults. It's the same work. Yeah. It's still teaching. It's still having conversations about the things in our lives. But instead of talking to the kids, I want to talk to the adults because the adults, honestly, even though we talk to kids, somebody has to be talking to them. But the it can be eroded every night. It can be eroded every weekend. You're trying to teach them something, yeah. then they go back into their households. And if their households don't uphold some of those same values, then they get eroded during. Yeah. And you're, yeah. you're, so you're, it's a constant fight. Right. Um, and so I'm like, well, let me talk to the adults then. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe we'll take this comedy. We'll uh-huh. stuff it with some meaningful things. Uh-huh. And while you're laughing, maybe you'll take something home that makes you think differently. And that will positively impact your household. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, how, how did that idea come to you? Um, God. <laughs> God. I was like, hmm, what? Comedy? Huh? I was, <laughs> I was at work. And one of my coworkers decided, uh, you know, you know the new movement. Uh huh. Um, before all the things that happened uh-huh. with the new movement, um, he did a one man show there, and he was hilarious. And he talked about <laughs> he had a thing about TFA and how they teach you that you can like save the world and you're you're a champion. <laughs> and that had me crying. <laughs> I'm like, yes, that is so true. You'd be like, I am a champion, and then. Okay, I'm just crying at night. I'm just someone eating Taco Bell, crying into it. Like, that's who I really am. <laughs> this rice and beans so good. <laughs> but he he was good, and then he told me, he said, you should do comedy. You should go to one of the improv classes. Mm. And I'm like, why would I? I don't know why I would do that. I'm not funny like that. I'm yeah. funny in a conversation. Yeah. I don't know how to be funny on stage or something like that. He was like, well, just go to a class. And I went to one of their jam sessions, and I saw a guy, Drew, um, doing a character. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I want to do a character. I want to be a billionaire. <laughs> I want to be Stangela. Was she born? Yes. That? Oh, my yes. gosh. Yes. Wow. And so I found my comedic voice um, as a character first. And at that time, my father died, mm. and I was able to mourn using a character. So when when he died, I went to the the funeral home, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Can I film in here?" <laughs> Which is an awesome request. <laughs> uh, the dead bodies over there. Okay, I don't want them in the shot. <laughs> Makeup. Yeah. <laughs> This is not something that says lively. Um, And so I did my character and I said, um, she's like crying and and she says, oh my God, uh, is this one ply? Oh my God, the people that are mourning are poor. They should be crying on two ply. Daddy, come get me. Um, And so 
doing that, finding that character helped me find my comedic voice. And I decided I'm going to go out and I was in, living in New Orleans and I'm going to be this character all day. I'm going to just go and have a uh-huh. drink and I'm going to be this character. And, uh, Geneva joy, I never forget, uh, part of she she's the person who created and her team created black girl giggles festival okay uh she saw me and she just goes who are you well i have to be in character (laughs) 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 i "I can't say i'm rochelle mcconaughey Uh i promised i was going Uh to stay in character i have on the wig (laughs) so i i'm stangela hello I know you're happy to meet me. <laughs> She's like, oh my God. <laughs> but she was kind to me. Uh-huh. And it was an open mic. And she said, why don't you get up on stage and do um, something? Uh-huh. And I was like, eh, all right. Because Stangela would never not do yeah. it. She's not afraid to get on stage. And I got on stage as a character <laughs> and talked about being on a, a cruise or something and riding the noses of dolphins. <laughs> Dolphins lift me up. They love me and my stilettos. <laughs> and from there, I was like, oh, ooh, I like this. You know? Yeah. Let's do comedy sometimes. Let's make jokes. And it wasn't until later that Rochelle, myself, uh, that I found my voice. And, and so we're kind of like the opposite sides of a coin. That she'll say like something politically wrong, like 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 a Republican. She mm-hmm. she she's very like conservative, whatever. And yeah. she'll say that and then justify it with crazy uh-huh. and absurdity, which is just like she was in a tea party or something. Like yeah. she's just regular. She's maybe she's a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. She's that. She's that level. <laughs> uh, she's like, ooh, QAnon. You know what I like? I like big cues. You know, I, if if they didn't do like big cues, I wouldn't talk to them. But but because little cues are not my jam. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so and then from that, I was like, oh well, I'll be the one that just says the thing. She does this this circus, and I'll be the one that straight shoots it. Yeah. And just like, hey, intersectionality, what's going on with that? <laughs> hey, you know, sexism, what's up with that? And just say it. Yeah. And maybe people laugh, and they have. Yeah, <laughs> they have. That's, that's good. So when did you start? Uh, okay, so you went from character to Rochelle, a stand-up to. I mean, your credits include acting. You're an improviser mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So how, how, and why did you jump in so so hard into mm-hmm. all of these? Well, I figure, I don't care what the medium is. I just want to talk to people. Mm. I want to talk to people and I want to laugh. And if I can make people laugh, whatever, however we do that. Mm. Um, And so improv is fun because improv is a group sport. I don't have to be the funniest person on stage. Mm -hmm. I can throw it to someone else and whatever, and I just have to support sometimes. And it's very freeing to say, I just need to be here right now in this moment and I don't need to know lines. I just need to be here. So I love improv. Um, and out of that comes sketch act, then sketches and stuff come out because I was already a writer. And yeah. so saying someone else's words or saying my yeah. own words, and, you know, most of it is like, I want to say this. So I'm going to write it down. Figure out something. <laughs> yeah. 
say it. I'm gonna figure out a way to say this. All right. I'm give you a piece and I'm give myself a piece and we're gonna say that thing. That's the 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 hustle business school mentality too. It's like, you know, getting things done, figuring out ways to solve problems. We wanna we yeah. we have so much to say. Yeah. Right. I have so much to say and I think black women in general have just a lot to say. And so I got to be kind of born as a comedian in this milieu of other black women Mm -hmm. doing comedy in New Orleans. And so we put on our, um, we became a a collective no lie comedy and we just put on shows. We started putting on stand up shows. So I learned how to produce shows from working with those ladies. And then, Hey, now we have a, a collective, maybe the collective's 10, 12 people. So if I want to do a sketch, I got some <laughs> I got uh-huh. some actresses for it. We can do that. And I learned yeah. from the writers in our group who are phenomenal. There's some like uh, Denise Jenna and Candice. Uh, they both write with such precision that you're like, oh, well, I need to learn how to write better. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> and so you you get to write with them, and then you next thing you know, and catchy. Oh my god, oh, yeah. <laughs> my best friend. <laughs> She probably doesn't realize how much of a crush I have on her from talking to her. Yeah. <laughs> For many reasons. One, she was just she she jumped into our online shows in 2020, and then I wanted to circle back and interview some of the people because I had no other way to t- get to know the people that were doing our show who weren't from Austin. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna talk to a whole bunch of people, and she was one of the, the folks that I talked to, and then she introduced me to you. She's yeah. like, oh, Rochelle just moved to Austin. I'm like, okay, well, you know, anybody that Nakechi uh endorses then you know that's mm-hmm. great and mm-hmm. then that's how you and i connected so, yes 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 she's an angel so be <laughs> right and so being in a think about being in a group with these just powerhouse women yeah and you're going to learn from them you're going to pick up stuff and you're going to want to create opportunities for them to shine yeah and so it became hey we need a sketch show so we can do so our writers can have uh, more access we yeah. need uh to do an improv show because we have improvisers in this group mm-hmm. and so i'm like well, I like doing all of the things. <laughs> what? What? Me? Pick me. Pick me. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. So it's been it's been an honor uh, because I got to go to festivals because of the you know yeah. our work together. I, I I wanted to ask how do you not spread yourself too thin doing all those things that you want to do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I. Honestly, I think I do. I think I, I uh, at times, spread myself too thin. Um, I'm known to be like, hey, let's do this thing. And then that person needs to grab me again. So then I'll come back and, and get it mm-hmm. done. Like So like, what I find is my muse is always on. So when I'll say, hmm, man, I would love to see a show that does this. And I'm like, I want this show. Like, for instance, I think we should do something called Scar Tissues, right? I think we should have people talk about the things that kind of made them, the scars Mm -hmm. that they're carrying around. And if they do it in a comedic voice, I think that will really carry to other people and, like, let them deal with their own scars, right? Right, right. So I think of that idea, and then I'm like immediately in my sketchbook going, okay, we need to do that, and then I want it to be a podcast, and then I also want it to be, right? And I got like, because um, I like the the whole thing about Moon Cricket Productions is to have, it have multiple modalities. So like, okay, it's a, is, is it visual? If it's visual, can it also be like interactive? What are the different ways that uh-huh. we can communicate? 
So I'll do all of that. And then I'll go, okay, now I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> and I I blew a fuse. And now don't talk to me for, for a week. We're not talking. Yeah. Like, uh, sorry, fuse broken. But when my fuse comes back, uh-huh. <laughs> I'll have a whole new idea. <laughs> a whole separate idea. Yeah. So I think for me, it's having finding other people that are interested in that idea and when I find, uh, if I have an idea, I'll shop it to a couple of my friends. Put, like I said, go no lie and be like, hey, here's this idea. Yeah. Anyone want to hop on it with me? And finding the the group that will help me carry it, yeah. right? So it might be two or three people that are interested in doing that and move forward that way. So, for instance, when I did the Funny Women Showcase, <clears throat> I found that, hey, man, this idea of putting women in front of because we, we were already doing no-lie comedy shows, which is all um, black uh, femme women. Femme. Hmm. Stop. Black women. <laughs> identifying. Uh-huh. However you identify. Um, and so that's who was on those shows. And then I'm like, well, Moon Cricket Productions is a little different because uh, I just want women, whatever range of, of their ethnicity, I want them mm-hmm. on the show. As long as there's a mixture, you know, I want that I want that to exist. And so once I did that show, I realized, okay, I want to continue doing this, but I can't carry this alone. Yeah. Who would like to help me carry this? And you find there's a lot of women that have so, I mean, we have so much talent. We have so <laughs> yeah. much talent. We do so much and we may not have gotten the opportunity to do so. And so you put that out there and then people are coming like, hey, man, I never got to produce a show. I want to learn mm-hmm. how to produce a show. I've ne- I've always wanted to do X. Can I be a part? And you create those little coalitions and then you wind up having, you know, 12 things that you can carry and it's not as heavy because you have the coalitions right. to help you do it. Yeah. But I drop a lot of things. <laughs> I pick them back up. <laughs> Everything I have, I can drop and pick back up. It's bruised. <laughs> <laughs> if I was a produce place, everything has bruises on it. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> you know that that just ripe juicy peach, even if it's got one bruise, it's it's worth it. That's it's right. worth it. It's you, worth it. Grab it. Grab it now. It's delicious, okay? Moon Cricket Productions, bruised fruit. <laughs> the bruised fruit of comedy. <laughs> You've rebranded. It's awesome. I'm glad to be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, was uh, being back in New Orleans after the teaching, you left, and then you went back, and is New Orleans where you were before you came back to Austin? Yes. So, how much time did you spend in New Orleans? Um, off and on, I have lived in New Orleans 14 years. Okay. Yeah, so it's my, like, adult home. <laughs> <laughs> I've, only, I've only been a child here, uh-huh. right? I left yeah. here when I was 19 years old. And so I've been an adult in all these other places, but mostly in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And so it has been a real transition moving back to Austin, moving back into my childhood home, uh, and then taking on a role as like caregiver to my mom. Mm -hmm. That one. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, Mama, you you. you do this. This is you. You're supposed to tell me everything what I'm supposed to do. And so uh, learning to, to play that role has been a challenge, but even from that, you learn comedy, you get comedy out of it, and now you get to talk to people that you wouldn't have 
like say something to people that you wouldn't have been able to say something to before. Mm -hmm. Before you were talking about maybe your college experiences, you're talking about teaching, you're talking about that. And that's fine That yeah. for those who it connects to. But now when you talk about hospital time and what it means, a mother-daughter relationship and stuff like that, now that's another human element that you can share with someone else, share with the people that are sitting in the audience going, man, either that's happened to me, I know that will happen to yeah. me, I want to work on this relationship like that. And I think it's a shared humanity. Yeah. And I love that. I love that <laughs> you can look out in the crowd and see people nodding and see mm -hmm. people being like, oh, yeah, yeah. right. Oh, that's, that's yeah. gross. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. That's horrible. <laughs> I'm definitely going to smother my mother before that we get to that place. <laughs> I'm like, I would. There's no inheritance. It's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing it for? <laughs> then I, you know, because you have to have motive. Yeah. Right? I think yeah. when the police stopped me, they're like, what was your motive? I'm like, I don't know. I wanted to masturbate more. <laughs> it was hard to do it with her in the house. <laughs> just not God. You have no idea how this hits so hard right now. <laughs> Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we might have to pull your column down. No. Fair. If you're convicted of a crime, <laughs> we try to be on the up and up here at Comedy Wham. Uh, no. as, you, as you just heard, only if I'm convicted, okay? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Future <Yes>. jurors. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a fundraiser for your legal fees, but if you are convicted... I hear that. That's fair. <laughs> Got to have standards. Got to draw the line somewhere, right? Uh, as you were talking about that and that life experience, I, I'm thinking very vividly about, uh, I can't remember if this was your first or your second column that you've written for us about living your life. You know, live your life. If you don't have any life experiences, what what are you talking about on stage? So mm -hmm. go and, and pick up those experiences, whether oh, they're... Yeah. You know, we're all going to go through bad experiences. There's no hiding from right. from that. So. Right. And and I think sometimes when you talk to like or listen to the work of newer com comedians, mm -hmm. they tend to say things that are not really themselves. Like yeah. it's a representation of what they believe that they should be. Yeah. And usually now, especially in Austin, I'm just seeing a lot of shock yeah. um, type humor um, when you, when people are first starting yep. and then, but as they grow, if they, if they grow, mm -hmm. they can find so much more depth just from plumbing things from their, their life. Plumbing? I don't know. Plucking? Plucking. Maybe, yeah, let's let's yeah. pluck because yeah, plumbing, plumbing is, is pretty gross yeah. also, <laughs> but also maybe funny. Yeah. Pl there would be no plumbers, but if there wasn't That's plumbing. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but pulling things from their, from their own experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think this is especially important, I would say, for white comedians because this country kind of teaches us teaches white people to talk about other people's experiences, like to make a lot of commentary on like what it, things that they may not live themselves. Mm -hmm. Because right when I look at the news, the news is going to tell me how black and brown people are doing X, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm used to talking about that. But what about talking about the things that are real to me and that have happened to me? Yeah. I think the more that white people talk about their lives, their experiences, the hurts that they've had and things, the more they 
that there's healing. Yeah. There's healing in those conversations, right? And so <clears throat> for me, I try to find things that were all similar, things that make everyone the same. And I'm like, we're all the same. We all masturbate. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not, boo on you. Boo. If you're listening to this right now. Oh, God, don't be masturbating. And you're not <laughs> masturbating. <laughs> Do it afterwards if you want. Yeah. But just, you know, I'm going to get real close to the mic. Just a okay. little ASMR moment for you. This is for you. This is for you. Self-care. <laughs> and Valerie has now stopped the day. It is over. <laughs> Interview off. There are moments of magic on this on this podcast and that was one of them uh but (laughs) to say that we all have stories Mm -hmm. and we are uniquely um blessed to be comedic comedians and have a the storytelling vibe right so we can say things that other people can't say right because we're wrapping them in comedy and that's kind of where comedy is while comedy is so kind of in a transitionary phase right now, it's like, okay, people, there's some of the old guard who are so used to just saying these shocking things. And it's funny. And you say it and you're like, oh, we're shocked. Yeah. And then not having any accountability for those words. And now we're like, no, I think we want you to be accountable for them. Or if you're going to say shocking things, be a part of that community. Like yeah. be speaking your own truth. If you're speaking your own truth, then that's different, right? Mm-hmm. I, I listened to a, a a woman, Carla. She did a, a buzzkill just the this Wednesday, and she talked about she didn't want to be misgendered, and she was like, "Man, if I <laughs> the joke was so dark, if I <laughs> if I shoot myself in the head, they're gonna misgender me as a man, right? <laughs> they're gonna think I'm a man because that's that's how men kill uh-huh. themselves, right? And uh, and and so she's a trans woman, and she and it was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful because that's her story to tell. Yeah, that's not my joke to tell. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm rehashing it. I did yeah. not do it as well. She is dope. Go see her. <laughs> um, but when you speak your own truth, people open up. It opens yeah. up something inside other people, and then they have the. It gives them the the exit. Hmm, it gives them the ability to do that for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what uh, what do you wish of the the Austin comedy scene? We're recording on New Year's Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is New Year's Day. Look at us. <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty two. The Austin comedy scene. I, I don't know if during your your time going back and forth between Austin and New Orleans, you had a, a glimpse of what the Austin comedy scene was like before the pandemic. Um, but I'm curious, and you can compare it to Austin versus New Orleans, but I'm just wondering what are your observations about mm-hmm. about our scene? Because it is just, you know, in my six years of talking to comics, it has just changed so radically in, in you know, post-COVID times. Yeah. It, uh, I've, I've heard um, that there's multiple scenes, mm-hmm. that there's like the the Austin scene, prior to like the Joe Rogan type influence that has come in. And then there's now, and that they all kind of operate um, simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And um, I have, again, blessing, because one of the things I I think of my work as being important is to bridge, Mm -hmm. to do bridge work. Um, 
meaning I'll be in groups of people that we may not have a lot of stuff in common or a lot of philosophies in common, yeah. but I will try to find commonalities. Now, I will not lay myself out like some, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to let you stomp me and then be like, because we're bridging the gap. Yeah. New, no. <laughs> new. No, sorry. <laughs> if you say something stupid, you might hear me say, hey, man, that's really ugly, you yeah. know? Um, I once got a, a dude once got off stage, and I was clapping, and I go, yeah, I was clapping for you the whole time, except for that last joke. <laughs> <laughs> the last joke was real ugly. <laughs> he was like, I think I can come up with a better ending. Yeah, maybe yeah. so. Maybe not like yeah. something against juice. So let's not do that. Uh-huh. That's not cute. <laughs> but but at the same time, I understand that people grow, right? Yeah. And people change. So for me, I've I see the scene as a lot of people trying to find their way Mm -hmm. and people that have just gotten like a a lot of people that have just gotten into it and are just like, Oh, if I can get on this show, then I'll be famous. If I can get on like kill Tony, I'm famous. And now my life has changed or whatever. And maybe so, right. Because there's no straight path in comedy. Right. So you can work it for all these years and finally hit. And then next year it's a whole different, you know, story. No one knows how, how it works. So for me, I like that there's people in all different stages, but I think my favorite part, like what I saw at Buzzkill on Wednesday was mixture. I miss that. That's one thing I miss from from being in New Orleans crowds where we might have crowds, like I said, it's 60% black. So we might have crowds of, of mixed people in there and laughing together and enjoying themselves. Uh-huh. And I got to see that. But oftentimes I'll see crowds that are just, it's mostly white men that we're talking yeah. to. White men on stage, white men off stage. And, yeah. and that's all that's happening. And I get to be the little dot that comes out there and is like, all right, <laughs> who wants to talk about my vagina? No? <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> No, not ready. Okay, <laughs> this joke's for you. Um, but so I, I, I like when I see different people yeah. in the same place. I saw that yeah. in um, Temple. I actually saw that at, at in Lakeway as well. Like there's different people, age, different ages. Mm-hmm. Um, when when was that Castro's that we were at? It's not Castro's. No, what, no sorry. <laughs> it's Hobson Time. Hobson Time. Yeah, yeah, Hobson Time, there was some older ladies there uh, oh, sipping yes. their wine, and they were having like a great time, yeah. right? So I like that when I can see people of different ages and sexes and um, ethnicities mm-hmm. pulled together. And I think those shows always, you know, make, yeah. me, make me smile. Right? Yeah. And those audiences are out there. Um, I This is just going to come off sounding really dumb but i went to go see george lopez Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay there are hispanic audiences that love comedy Mm -hmm. maybe george lopez isn't for everybody it's on it was on my bucket list to get to watch him you know live and it's like okay these audiences are there so as a producer or as a comic figure out ways to draw in different audiences Right, and I think when you have so, San was it Santa Cruz, on on like Seventh Street mm-hmm. East Seventh Street. Um, I went to one of those shows and I saw a big mixture of groups. I saw a lot of Hispanic people in mm-hmm. the groups. Whereas Latin, 
And then, uh, <laughs> excuse me if I yeah. don't say it right, because sometimes I don't say yeah, it right. I don't and even love. say it right. And well, it's still yeah. love. Yeah. Um, and so I got to see see that as well. And I'm like, I think when you you know like versus like brings like. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a diverse group of people on the stage, you wind up with a diverse group of people in the crowd. Yeah. Um, and I think as producers of shows, just making sure that we advertise in different places and that we that we actually look at what we want to happen, right? Because it's not actually by accident that these things happen. I think sometimes we think it's just by accident. Yeah. It's actually, it's planning. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can make a plan. Uh-huh. Um, but because when I, when I went to the bus mill show, what was interesting is I've been to bus mill multiple times, but had never been on that show. On different nights, it has different crowds. Mm. Just same place, yeah. different energy, but depending on the day. Yeah. So I was like, wow, you can choose by who you book and by where you advertise, what's your audience, who's going to be sitting in that in those seats. Yeah. And so, and then also being in uh, Taylor and Temple and San Marcos, and you're seeing from just gentrification, right? You got people pushed out into the into towns Mm -hmm. and now the towns are becoming more diverse which is actually a blessing you wouldn't (laughs) like this change made a a a place where when you show up at marshall's tavern i think um uh domingo runs the marshall's tavern and he has another show at american legion Uh his shows always have a diverse crowd yeah and and really you go to these towns and you're like okay now, when I say this thing about abortion, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm about to get everybody jumping up and running out, or maybe they're going to make me run out. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, is the record going to scratch when I come in? Because I, I just never had a good record scratch, and yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to that moment when I'm like, what? <laughs> New York City, right? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for that moment. Uh-huh. Um, but... You actually find that there's, you know, we are people. All yeah. of us are people yeah. going through a human struggle. So if we can, you know, remember that, then there's a whole bunch we can talk about together. Yeah. A whole bunch we can do together. Yeah. I know that sounds. <laughs> and sometimes I listen to myself. I'm like, come on, show. <laughs> Stop with all that revolution. It's, it's weird. It's inspiration hour with Rochelle. Yeah. <laughs> inspiration hour with Rochelle. For those of you that are still masturbating. God damn it. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. It was right there. Is it right there? Are you right there? A little to the left. Yes. If we can regain our composure here. If, if you had to pick your favorite type of performance... Stand up, improv, acting, sketch, Man. producing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They all have a, a different modality that they're working on, like the thing, a different thing that they're pulling out of me. Uh-huh. I think the beauty of stand up is that it's just me and the crowd. Yeah. And we are having a conversation. And every gasp, laugh, silence, stony stare, <laughs> shake, nod of disapproval <laughs> is our conversation. Uh-huh. 
And so there's nothing that's is there there's a high from that that can't be replicated in yeah. any other way. Um so I I would probably choose that, but I mean I don't I don't think that I could if I was going to say I'm just a stand up, I don't think that would be true. Mm-hmm. Um because I I find that that's not enough. That I need the different different ways yeah. so that I can talk to different people. And I think I, I always love improv because I always feel so supported. Mm-hmm. So supported, like, oh man, I, I, I was on the show in Fallout Theater, and maybe I said that I'm a black cartoon. I was like, all these cartoons on here, and I was like, I'm the black cartoon that was only drawn in sketch, and I, I was never colored. <laughs> and so to, to the audience is laughing, but to watch the other improv, improvisers go, oh my god. <laughs> What do I say? <laughs> it was great. That's priceless. <laughs> Trying to crack up the people on the stage with you uh-huh. as well is is a beautiful thing. So I think that stand up, you know, you just anybody that's ever done stand up and and enjoyed it once they got that high, yeah. you can't. I mean, that's that's coke. Yeah. I know. I know. Y'all are a lot of all the stand ups are Drug addicts. Okay. All right, drug addicts. Come back. Everybody come back. I said it and you're like looking around. What? Coke? What? what? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's a high that you that you are always chasing. Like, yeah. man, you may, I said something of my experience in my life and people laughed. Boom. Basic. Hooked. So I'll, I will always come back to the stage and be and want to do that. But any way that I can get to people and laugh and enjoy ourselves, I'm with it. Yeah. I'm yeah. With it. You have written, as of the time that we're recording, you've written three columns. You approached me, which was like, oh, my God. Somebody's yeah, I want to date you. Like, oh, please. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> uh, so you, your column is called Rochelle Takes on Comedy. Mm-hmm. I hope I got that right. That's right. It's on, on my website. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what is it that you, we, I mean, we talked about it because we obviously vetted, you know, what your ideas were before we, we you know, made this leap. This is something we've actually been wanting to do and different people have approached us, but like nobody had like that right magic. And so I'm wondering, what is it that you want people to get out of the column that you've been writing? Oh, yay. (laughs) Uh, I'm also, I'm just like, I'm geeked every time. I'm like, we're really doing it. We're really doing it. (laughs) Um, But really I wanted to, there's the three parts Mm -hmm. of the column. The first part of the column is just, here's life. Here's life as a comic. Like, the ups, the downs, the ugly. Let's just put it in there yeah. because we're all also living life. Like, some of these people that are just are moved here are, like, living in their cars. Yeah. Like, there are is real kind of pain and struggle and hard, you know, ups and downs mm-hmm. of trying to be a comic and trying to go for three minutes. Okay, I got three. Yeah. Oh, now I get seven. Oh my God, they said I could do 10. Like yeah. <laughs> all of that ups and downs, I want that to kind of be cataloged so that people know we're, we're human. We're mm-hmm. just trying to be, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and then the second part of it is like, what can we learn from what we're doing? What are kind of these overarching themes that come about? And I'm I'm hoping that those insights, at least I like to call them insights. If you call them insights, they're insights. (laughs) I named it that. It's what it is. (laughs) It's just random thoughts. Um, But I I hope that those 
insights help people get through some of the things they're getting through. Like, hey, man, like when I said one of the columns says like that comedians are superheroes. Like it's just that idea of we're called to do something, to talk about things that that need to be talked about. And and a lot of I think for me, I've seen a lot of comics deal with like mental health issues. And I think it comes from having to stare at some really hard stuff and then make it funny. Like even um like uh, John Stewart, the reason he said you know I have to let go of the um uh the Daily Show is because I, it's too much. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at all this ugly, yeah. and then I got to turn it over and make it funny. You know, the Colbert Report was doing that type of work, like uh, yeah. absurd humor, but looking into the abyss, make yeah. it funny. And so that part is always about like, hey, comedian, like. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we can learn from the journey mm-hmm. that we're on. And maybe that helps somebody. And then the the third part is always a, a review of the show, of a show I've seen, because I'm always searching for places where there's good vibes. Uh, I decided when I wanted to do this column, I wasn't going to go to to shows that I felt like I was going to write something ugly about. Uh-huh. Oh, and they should have been funnier or they could be better or what. <laughs> First of all, who yeah. am I? I'm just a person, yeah. right? I'm just one person in a sea of a, in a crowd. Um, and so I didn't want that. I wanted to look for places where people are supporting each other, people are saying the thing, people are pushing boundaries, whatever it mm-hmm. is, and go, yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and And say... I really like this about what you're doing. I love your work. I just want to fangirl. Let me go yeah. fangirl for different people. <laughs> like that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Um, and then maybe other people will say, Hey man, I want to have an experience like that that makes me smile, that makes me think, that makes me feel warm inside, and I'm laughing. Yeah. Yes, I'm gonna go to that show. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I do. The three shows that you've picked, I I I've never gone. <laughs> To them. So I love being able to uh, read your recaps of these shows because I'm out here, can't get into town. (laughs) I have a school age child. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's uh, been difficult in the post COVID to get out. So I've really enjoyed and I was so I was so touched by the, the latest column I decided to try something new that you had, you know, speaking of learning from each other. Uh, you had mentioned how when you were going to promote the shows, you would tag all of the comics. You, you're very diligent about getting all of the Instagram handles from the, the performers. And I was like, oh, I'm going to borrow a page from that book. And I'm going to yeah. also tag them when we promote the column. I was so touched. One of the performers wrote and said, thank you so much for this. And I'm like, I just was a facilitator yes but that meant so much that you know that gratitude for hey thank you for putting this out there yeah and promoting our show and this was a show that has been around for years and mm-hmm. years and years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so and it's like i think people i mean like like i say we're all trying to figure out what our path is yeah. maybe i become a comedy writer maybe i you know i'm doing kevin hart like who how yeah. what, and I mean just doing him. <laughs> uh, he got in trouble a, for that. <laughs> that's a career path, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Baby mama, yeah. that is the career path. <laughs> um, but the 
we're all trying to yeah. to to make it in whatever way that we define making it. Yeah. And so saying, man, thank you for being on stage and doing this thing. You made me laugh. Uh-huh. Like, I'm funny, right? <laughs> the biggest compliment for anyone that wants to date me, the biggest compliment <laughs> is, you real funny. Like, ooh, hey. <laughs> he likes my comedy. Okay. <laughs> And as you as we heard earlier, you have an incredible ASMR voice. That's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. Don't don't expect me to cook, okay? Unless you call it oh God. cooking on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for this podcast, you're just going to be like, all of us going to be like, tag ASMR. Oh yeah. I'm tagging it for sure. (laughs) But yeah, we, uh, I think, I think that, that comedians just want to go out and make people laugh and, and, and shouting them out for that. I mean, that's, and, and, and that made me think like, who are the different stakeholders? Who are who's reading this? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, there's the audience of just I love comedy. I go to comedy shows, but then there's also the comedians. Yeah. And for me, uh, if you've ever heard one of my sets, my sets are well, you have, but my sets are always different. Mm-hmm. They there's some part of them that are jokes that I've said before, but they come in different <laughs> different ways. They jump over different thoughts that I'm having because I wanted to. Um, I want to make both the audience members that just I'm a comedy lover and the comedians laugh. I want them both to be happy. And I think as comedians, you often go to a show and you've heard that person's joke for seven years. (laughs) (laughs) You've heard that same set for seven years and you're like, yeah, I mean, it's funny. Uh And also... I'm going to go outside. I'm yeah. going to go smoke. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do something else because yeah. I already know this set. And for me, I'm like, we're all, we all came here. Let's, let's all be entertained, mm-hmm. whoever you are. So the column is also kind of trying to entertain different people. Yeah. Let them have fun. Yeah. Let us eat cake. <laughs> comedy cake. Moon Cricket Productions is a <laughs> comedy oh, cake. so good at self-promotion in that article. <laughs> How many times is she going to drop her moon <laughs> Hey, man. Yeah, you have to. It's for me, too. That's right. That's right. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time. We are getting close to um, the hour. We probably should schedule a volume two uh, (laughs) later in the year so that we can catch up on everything that we couldn't cover today. This Um, is so much fun. (laughs) uh, What what do you want people to know about you that we haven't talked about? Hmm. Well... I giggle after I come. So that's uh, an important (laughs) note. (laughs) Sorry, I like to say wild things. (laughs) Wild things. Um, (laughs) Hey, that might be true, though. You don't know. But if you want to find out, that'll be Rochelle (laughs) underscore Ward. DM me. Okay. Um, (laughs) I'm just messing with you, Valerie. Uh, um, I think one thing that we haven't talked about is like, but I mean, I've talked about it, but I think life is, can be really hard. Mm -hmm. Life can be really hard and we need laughter. I need laughter. I need people that, you know, talk to me about their lives and share their lives. So I, I need comedy. I think comedy is a, is a gift. And so I am thankful for all the comedians that go out and share their truths. And I hope to, continue to hear 
everyone's truths and, 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 and laugh with them and smile with them and learn who they are as people because I think we're incredible. I think, I think comedians are incredible and I hope for many, many years to come to just learn about each other and, and find our commonalities because in the end, we only, <laughs> that's all we have. We're, yeah. we're living, we're living this life. That's all we have. So let's enjoy each other, yeah. right? Let's, let's, even if I don't agree with where you, where you ended up at, you know, you're, you, I, I can still agree with the principles that you are, you know, hold dear, the things that you hold close, whether it's your family mm -hmm. or your friends or your, your mental health or gosh, who you are as a person, like your gender, whatever, talk about those things. Talk about them and, and, and let's all learn and be better. Yeah. And I'll be better too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I've observed over the years of interviewing is that self-acceptance and being willing to be open on a stage. There's usually... Okay, last week's episode that um, that Candace Medina did, I, I uh, intentionally called Level Up. Candace Medina levels up and it was because she reached a point in her life where she could be open mm -hmm. and time and time again I observe that you know from this side of the microphone those performers that are willing to be open something usually happens with them on stage for that that acceptance of themselves or whatever and they they almost inevitably level up yeah so it's a very important um, part of life to get get to that stage, and it, sometimes it ain't easy. Yeah. No. <laughs> we got a lot of dark shit going on in our lives. A lot of dark shit, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, well, Rochelle, I do have one closing question. Was it about the giggling after I come no, home? It because... actually was not. Oh, no, okay. I didn't know no, if you wrote that down. No. <laughs> like I would like a follow up question. What type of giggling? <laughs> Uh, whoever is writing this article that's going to go with your podcast is going to have to do that. <laughs> uh, if you have an You're okay, <laughs> if you have an okay Cupid profile, we can add that to the, you know, whatever. Comedy uh, Wham, helping <laughs> Rochelle get laid. <laughs> you know, we love you so much on our column that you know, if that's what it takes to that's make you happy. Hilarious. <laughs> Okay, your closing question. Mm -hmm. One word to describe your future. Bright. And who, in the future, I'm so bright, it has to wear shades. <laughs> Gotta wear shades. I think that, you know, you call to yourself what you want. And if you are intentional, then you wind up calling a lot of positive and beautiful things to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I am just calling to myself that I want to do all the things. When you said, like, how do you not get overwhelmed? <laughs> I don't know, because I want to do all the things. Yeah. And everything I want to do just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I'm hoping that as that future comes about, that it's bright and that we uh, get to influence a lot of people and bring new voices to the stage and open up platforms for folks that normally would not have that platform. And I'm hoping that from that, we get to see just an expansive world, right? We get to create the world we live mm -hmm. in. And other people have done it. Motown did it, right? Motown <laughs> did their thing, and they made an impact. There, And we say, oh, well, you're not Motown. Well, why not, yeah. right? Um, uh, what's his name? Tyler Perry did his thing, and he created a whole studio, right? Yeah. And he opened doors for so many people. 
why 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 is he is he an anomaly yeah. or is he accessing something that we all have in ourselves i say i access it i say that it's bright and we do our doggone thing yeah. doggone it <laughs> together <laughs> yes and then i um after this podcast i will be stealing all of the podcast equipment because we're doing it together <laughs> <laughs> and by together, I mean I need to steal all of this. <laughs> we can talk after. I do have some extra stuff, so we can talk. We can I'm, talk. And I'm not going to learn. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not this stuff, but but I, I just I want to say thank you, like for real. I want to say thank you because to me, you open up this opportunity, and you don't have to. Anybody can be a gatekeeper. Anybody can say I open up or I close the door, right? Yeah. And so as, when you open that door and let me do this. Uh, recording with you let me do the um column let me perform oh we're host oh we're hosting oh i don't know when this you comes hosted out. you hosted oh i hosted i hosted some <laughs> lovely ladies we had such a great time oh my god i if you missed that one you need to come out to the next one comedy wham you need to be there okay be there be square um but opening up that door i think makes it possible for people to really shine their light so I'm appreciative of mm. that you allow me to shine my light <laughs> and you allow all these other comedians to do so too. So thank you. Thank you. That is very sweet. Yeah. Is, well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents Rochelle McConico. Rochelle, tell us where we can find you on social media. And I know you know how to do this. <laughs> promote. <laughs> you can find me in these streets. Uh, here's my license plate. No. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, Rochelle underscore war is my personal. And then Moon Cricket Productions is the business. You can find Moon Cricket Productions both on YouTube, Instagram, and on Facebook. Facebook. We have shows uh, that we do bi-monthly, so check us out. And also, uh, do follow me in these streets because I'm cute. If you look, bu- if you look at this butt, I mean, you're gonna enjoy it. Okay, <laughs> okay, I'm here for you. <laughs> she is cute. I'm not making a comment about the butt, but she is cute. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Rochelle got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham Presents Rochelle McConico. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Rochelle. Oh, thank you, Valerie. Oh, yay. <laughs>